0: this week in Iowa, how Des Moines plans to keep their priorities at the top of legislators' minds. Then the ABC News political director, Blake, breaks down the state of the race. And local analysts tell us what's different in Iowa. Andrew Yang's message to Iowans as well inside his bus tour. Hi everyone and thank you so much for joining us here on This Week in Iowa. I'm Sabrina Ahmed and we are starting off our show with Andrea Woodard, who is with the Greater Des Moines Partnership. We're here to discuss the legislative priorities of the partnership. Andrea, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Okay, so to get started, tell us what the partnership is, who you're representing, uh, because it's so many chambers of commerce who
1: are big, small, have different priorities. Absolutely. So the Greater Des Moines Partnership represents over 6,600 members. It actually makes us, the fourth largest chamber of commerce in the country. Oh, wow! But as you have, uh, alluded to, we have chambers within our sort of umbrella organization. We have 24 affiliate chambers from Grinnell to Adel, down to Pella and Winterset. And our goal is to help support their legislative priorities and needs because we have the voice, the resources to help provide that service for those smaller chambers.
0: Okay, so what priorities do you go to um, at the state capitol? With sure, this year?
1: we did a series of meetings this fall that brought all of our members who were interested in participating in the process together. We put together a full policy agenda, but then we elevate a handful of priorities. So we have five priorities mm-hmm. this year. Uh, not necessarily in, any, in this order, but the first one being Iowa's Water and Land Legacy. We support the increase in the sales tax so that three cent would go into the Natural Resources and Outdoor Recreation Trust Fund. So fund not just the Central Iowa Water Trails Project we've been uh, heavily working on with other partners, but conservation practices, soil and water uh, infrastructure needs for around the state. So that's one. Two, uh, looking at how we might uh, build out and expand the Enhance Iowa Program under the Iowa Economic Development Authority. Uh, think about uh, Wells Fargo Arena and how Vision Iowa helps support of uh, that infrastructure that building science Center of of Iowa is another example so that was a, a second one. Thirdly is the Des Moines International Airport, another mm-hmm. infrastructure project. We want to see an expansion of the terminal to support the growing needs, uh, not just for the the flights that people are taking, but security needs as well. And thirdly is the invas- uh, in Angel Investor Tax Credit, so an increase to help provide support for those startups throughout the state and the investors and, and incentivize those investors who um, support those. And then our fifth one is kind of a bucket of... Uh, information more uh, more so on the talent development side so what are we doing to address the number one concern we hear from our members which is workforce so looking at how do we address the affordability and uh, accessibility of childcare options uh, in decreasing barriers to employment for those with a criminal uh, background uh, criminal history and we would also really love to see a full funding of the future ready Iowa initiative so that was a lot
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of words but overall how do you balance rural and urban?
1: That's a great question. I think a lot of those priorities you would see do support that urban role. The T- uh, sales tax increase and looking at water quality, we drink the water that's coming from the top of the watershed. What are we doing to help support those flood mitigation issues that impact downstream? So I think on one hand, you've got that project, uh, the Angel Investor Tax Credit, because of technology and connectivity that exists throughout the state, those can pop up all over the state. They don't have to be an urban center. So those are just two examples of ways that we can help support priorities of both urban and rural Iowa.
0: Okay. And now, that, you just said so much in so little time. <laughs> so tell us how people can learn more about this and get involved in some of these priorities if they find them important to them as well.
1: So our, our website is uh, dsmpartnership.com, and we have both of our policy agendas on there at the state and federal level. They can always reach out to the organization. And if someone isn't already involved in their local chamber, whether it's in Pella or Johnston, get involved in that, then... Put you at the table to have that conversation and to share your priorities.
0: Andrea, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your time. We are joined now via satellite by Rick Klein, who is the ABC News political director. Rick, from New York, thank you so much for being with us this morning.
2: My pleasure, Sabrina. Great to be with you.
0: Rick, I want to just start talking by talking about the caucuses, which as of this Sunday are 43 days away, which that number seems very little. Um, Talk to us about what trends we're seeing coming from campaigns and the candidates.
2: Yeah, this is crunch time for the candidates. And of course, it comes against the the backdrop of this impeachment debate, which is uh, kind of the best laid plans of campaigns are are strewn to the side when you have these other big national events. But as you know, candidates are spending a lot of time in Iowa. They have their caucus operations up and running. At this stage, if you don't have a pretty good ground game, you're not going to get one. This is about execution. And we have seen some surprising, perhaps, frontrunners poke through. I think the biggest story of the early season has been Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who you have to consider a major frontrunner in Iowa, despite the fact that he came into the year with just about no name recognition, no money, no connections. He has really impressed a lot of people uh, and is now poised for what could be a pretty good caucus night.
0: I want to talk about two of the topics that you just mentioned. First, let's talk impeachment. Then we'll get to Pete Buttigieg. So uh, impeachment could mean that we have all of the people who are running for president who are also senators are stuck in Washington, D.C. How does that change the tone? How does that change what they're able to do?
2: Well, I know a couple of campaigns are checking out all those flight times between uh, Washington and Des Moines and figuring out how you can be in two places at once. <laughs> can you possibly be uh, at a breakfast in, in Iowa and then back on the Senate floor by noon or 1 o'clock when the trial might get uh, restarted in the Senate? It is an inconvenient fact for these senators running for president. There are five of them, including three on the debate stage just, in the, uh, just this week, uh, who are senators as well as candidates, and it's very difficult for them. So that's one piece. They recognize uh, that they have a duty to perform back in the Senate, but they also recognize that they have a job that they're vying for, which wants them to be in places like uh, like Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina right now. So they're going to have to split their schedules and get creative and maybe try to make some news in another way. Uh, I don't think any of them are contemplating skipping uh, votes in the Senate or uh, testimony in the Senate. They recognize that that's part of their constitutional responsibility, but it's definitely not how they would design things.
0: Now, one person who will not have to deal with that is Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who you mentioned is leading in Iowa polls. But nationally, he is in the top tier, but he's not leading. It's Joe Biden. So why are we seeing such a discrepancy in national polls versus Iowa polls? And historically, what do we see that really matters?
2: Well, that's a a question that campaigns would love to be able to answer definitively, but I'll give it my best shot, Sabrina. Basically, the the candidates are spending a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort in boosting their recognition in Iowa. And as you know, and as Iowans know, potential caucus goers know, you have an opportunity that's almost unique in this country where you get to meet the candidates, see them up close. You definitely are exposed to more than your share of messaging from them. So it allows a candidate who is lesser known nationally doesn't come in with a big profile as a senator, say, or a big state governor to build something up from scratch. and, And it becomes... Just legitimately word of mouth. People talk about this young mayor from South Bend, Indiana, close by to Iowa, uh, who is uh, who's onto something. Uh, and in terms of what polls matter, in, in some ways they both matter. But I, I always put my stock in those early states because it, momentum matters quite a bit in this game. And, and breaking through in Iowa and New Hampshire, and then South Carolina, if you're able to do that, you see that carry over nationally. And by the time you're out of Iowa and onto the other states, we are coming up on a national primary very quickly, only a month between the caucuses and Super Tuesday, when giant states, uh, including California and Texas, are voting. So can you get a fire going without that spark of Iowa? That's a big, get, a big risk and a big gamble for candidates like Mayor Mike Bloomberg, who's not spending any time or money in Iowa, but is blanketing the airwaves virtually everywhere else.
0: And it's also so interesting when we see so many, uh, so, much, you're right, so much money being put into the race at a national level. And, yeah.
2: um,
0: Rick, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you speaking to us. I always have more questions for you, and there are never enough minutes in the show. So <laughs> uh, we, of course, will have you back very shortly, very soon.
2: My pleasure. Anytime, Sabrina. Thank you. Yep,
0: be good. We'll talk to you soon. Up next, we now have the national perspective. Let's get the local perspective. Our analysts are on the sofa next. We are joined now by Isabella Murray and Craig Robinson. Thank you both for being here. We really appreciate you taking the time. Craig Robinson with the Iowa Republican. Isabella Murray, who is with Iowa Starting Line. So uh, we touched on this a little bit with uh, Rick Klein, the ABC News political director. But talk to me about um, how you think people perceive national polls versus Iowa polls in Iowa. What do they find to be more important?
3: Well, I hope they find the Iowa poll more important. I mean national polls are great and it gives you a nice snapshot of the country but they don't really matter because we don't nominate our presidential candidates that way and so the polls that really matter are these state by state polls and uh, so I hope Iowans are paying more attention to what other Iowans think about these candidates than what is just a snapshot nationally.
0: Isabella you talk to a lot of Democratic caucus goers. Is that what you're hearing? Is that what they care about? Yeah so
4: they're focused on the polls but I think what you know, the polls are showing is consistent with what's happening on the ground as well. So uh, there's a new poll that came out today or earlier this week um, from Iowa State, and they showed that Pete Buttigieg is leading still with Bernie Sanders kind of inching towards the top and Warren and Biden a little bit lower. Um, But we're seeing that Pete Buttigieg is able to consistently bring out huge crowds. He's A few weeks ago in Coralville, he brought out about 2,000 people, while the other candidates are kind of between 200 and 400 people at events outside of big cities. Um, So, you know, people are kind of reflective
0: of the Iowa polls, I would say for sure. So, of course, the big thing that happened this week was the impeachment um, in the House. And now we go into a Senate trial. What are you two hearing? Craig, I want to start with you. What are you hearing from Republicans and Democrats about how impeachment is impacting who they will vote for? Are your Republican friends still gung-ho for Trump?
1: Or,
3: Yeah, I don't think the impeachment has done anything to slow down Republicans' view about Trump. And if anything, I think it's kind of put some wind at their backs in terms of how they feel about this general election, especially when you're looking at congressional races uh, in Iowa where Trump, you know, in the three, the first three congressional districts of Iowa, Trump won these seats mm-hmm. by more than three and a half points. And so they look at this impeachment vote as, you know, something that's gonna put those new freshmen incumbents in trouble uh, for them. So I think Republicans kind of like it's odd that we just went through an impeachment, but Republicans feel pretty good about how things position in Iowa at this moment.
0: And you could see the president in his rally felt pretty good about it too.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: um, and uh, Isabella, um, you speak to a lot more Democrats. Mm-hmm. What are, what's their feeling? What are Yeah, so
4: a concern of sort of national media and sometimes uh, with our democracy reporter, they're concerned that IWANs don't really care about impeachment, at least the Democratic caucus goers that are at some presidential candidate events. Um, but, and, you know, being at events, it's pretty clear that the voters are concerned with asking more about, you know, dinner table issues like health care, rural policies, and things of that nature. But when you're going around and asking specific caucus goers what, if they're up on the impeachment, if they care about it they are and uh i went to recently in an impeachment rally sort of in front of the capitol um pre the house vote on impeachment and there it was a cold night but there was still around 200 250 people there so people i I would say that if anything it's mobilizing the democratic side to sort of Come out in support of a candidate
0: who's strong and can take on Trump. So this might just break number, break records of um, how many people are going out to support their candidate. Yeah, I mean,
3: I think it's partisan in nature. I mean, that's that's been the critique of this uh, impeachment, um, that it's a partisan exercise. Mm-hmm. It's not really about anything more than that, and so it's going to rev up Democrats that are already they don't like the president. They're already motivated to to get behind another candidate and defeat them in the election. And for Republicans, they're almost emboldened by it, too, just like the president seems to be.
0: Okay, I had another question about the RFS, but I don't think we have time for it. So <laughs> both of you, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. And as always, we will continue to have you back on as we are... Uh... Forty-three days away (laughs) from the Iowa caucus. (laughs) I know Isabella, I know that's you can't count down more on your mind than it is yours, Craig. Thank you very much, you both. I appreciate it. Coming up next, Andrew Yang's bus tour across the state with sit down to get to know him as a candidate. Andrew Yang was one of seven candidates on the debate stage last week, and one thing that sets him apart from the rest of the Democrats running for president is his idea of universal income. Rachel Droh sat down with him on his bus tour through Iowa to ask why that's the answer instead of something like raising the minimum wage.
5: We're going through the greatest economic transformation in our country's history, and Iowans know it more than just about anyone. It started on your farms, and then it moved to your factories. Now it's on your main streets. Amazon's closing 30% of stores and malls while paying zero in taxes. So the question is, how do we make this economy work for us and our families? And the best and most direct thing we can do is actually take a tiny slice of every Amazon sale and Google search and Facebook ad and put it right here into the hands of Iowans, build a trickle-up economy. This would make our people and our families stronger, healthier, mentally healthier, less stressed out, and it would create new jobs right where we live and work every day.
6: And now that theory, of course, is just a theory. It hasn't been played out, and this universal basic income has quite a hefty price tag. Even if that trickle-up economy does end up working out down the line, how do you pay for that now?
5: Well, again, you have a trillion-dollar tech company like Amazon paying zero in taxes, and Iowans know that's not acceptable. If you give us our tiny, fair share of every Amazon sale, Google search, Facebook ad, we can easily afford a $1,000 dividend for every American adult, particularly because the money doesn't disappear. Right here in Iowa, it would go to car repairs and daycare expenses and Little League sign-ups and all the things that would make our businesses uh, and organizations stronger and healthier. Also, I want to say that when you say it hasn't been proven, Alaska's had a dividend in place for almost 40 years. Everyone in the state gets between one and $2,000 in oil money, and it's made children healthier, it's created thousands of jobs, and it's wildly popular. Uh, so what they're doing with oil money in Alaska, we can do for everyone here in Iowa and around the country with technology money.
6: Okay. And now um, you have a plan to reach zero net emissions by 2049. How do you plan to do that? realistically?
5: Well, the big change we have to make is we have to start measuring uh, the cost of pollution. Because right now, if you're uh, a big company and you uh, have emissions, um, we all pay a, a price for it. And, and we don't know exactly uh, what price that the, the firm has uh, incurred for us all. So what you have to do is you have to put a price on pollution, and if you do that, then you can move us towards lower emissions over time very quickly.
6: Okay, and now you have a gun safety plan in place. What exactly is that plan, what does that entail?
5: I'm for common sense gun safety regulations that most all of us agree on at this point. Universal background checks, red flag laws. Uh, But to me, we have to go even earlier and see that The majority of gun deaths are suicides uh, and that we have a mental health crisis we have to make our schools uh, better able to support kids with different backgrounds 96 percent plus of the shooters we're talking about are boys or men Uh, and so we need to try to have our schools equip our boys to become strong young men over time
6: okay and now health care the most probably divisive issue amongst the Democratic Party and all the candidates. What do you think the answer is? Is it Medicare for all? Is it a public option? Would you get rid of private insurance?
5: I think we need to provide quality, affordable health care to all Americans. Uh, But I also think getting rid of private insurance all at once is way too dramatic. Uh, and so we need to provide a public option that Americans can evaluate for themselves and see whether it's preferable to the private insurance in the market. The goal should be for the government to outcompete private insurers and push them out of the market over time.
6: And so you you would like to see private insurers gone eventually, then?
5: Yeah, but you can't just legislate them away. Uh, you have to outcompete them.
6: Okay, Um, and now you have a plan to reduce mass incarceration. What exactly does that entail, and how do you actually intend to do that?
5: Well, first, uh, we need to get rid of private prisons, because having prisons that profit from recidivism rates being high is not what you want. Uh, I was with a corrections officer who said to me we should pay people to stay out of jail, because we spend so much money when they're in jail. Uh, We'd be better off doing anything possible to keep them out of jail. Uh, Right now, our criminal justice system is unduly punitive, particularly for things like nonviolent marijuana-related offenses uh, and drug offenses. So we can reduce mass incarceration quickly if we curb some of the worst abuses in our legal system, particularly for people who are using drugs.
0: Thank you for listening to the This Week in Iowa podcast. You can find the This Week in Iowa podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, so be sure to subscribe now. You can also watch This Week in Iowa every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Local 5. For the latest in Iowa political news, follow This Week in Iowa on Twitter or visit weareiowa.com.